your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a new year, 2024. It wouldn't be 2024 if the phones didn't mess up and then the uh, start of the show didn't get messed up. So great start to the new year. I am Rick Sola. I'm on the phone with me this hour as we, uh, we kick off our New Year's resolutions. What better time to bring on Laura Burkell? She is a registered dietitian at Gunderson Health System uh, in Onalaska. Hi, Laura. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank, I appreciate you coming on. I, it, I will make the joke. I just I have to do it to you, Laura. You didn't want to come on last week. You were scheduled to come on last week because we kind of wanted to do like as you head into the New Year's, our New Year's resolutions and stuff. And then the, uh, the news of UW Lacrosse Chancellor Joe Gal being being fired, but uh, you you did over the over the week that you you had in in lieu of that go over his sexy happy couple Twitter page and you've gone over all his recipes with his wife the, and and the porn stars right? <laughs> oh gosh, you know the thought came to mind, but not not my style of recipe searching. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet soya curl pizza with Lauren Phillips, crab cakes with Damon Dice, and green. Chili chicken enchiladas with Will Pounder. You're telling me you didn't go over those recipes to see if they were actually oh, healthy? Oh, gosh. No, nothing nothing I can think of. And you, <laughs> and you didn't watch the videos to see how they made the food? <laughs> no, no, definitely turn that option down. <laughs> Kick it off the new year on, a, on, a, on a, a, a good start here. Getting on Laura's good side to make her very uncomfortable to start the, uh, to start the show. But... Um, <laughs> Some of the things that we've talked about in the past, and these are always things I think, I, especially with your job, I think we could re, we could rehash some of these things. But is a lot of your job just kind of repeating the same things, or how much would you say as a dietitian do trends and and things that are are happening change where you really you have to you have to change up what you're saying or what you're telling people to do? Yeah, I mean, it definitely all has a base, like like trying to make positive behavior change and, and new habits and whatnot. But, yeah, a lot of the nutrition basics are, are repeated. But there are, you know, the nice thing about the nutrition field is it is forever changing, as we've seen with a lot of headlines and research studies. So trying to keep up on, on all of that is kind of the element of surprise with this line of work, which I do not mind because you can never get bored. When 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 things are changing, I mean, is it like – is there a good example of this? I would say just picking like very specifically a thing that and a thing that we talk about all the time and a thing that's sitting right next to me as I try to like come out of a cold here. That's why you're not in studio is energy drinks. And I would say maybe the last I don't know if in the last five years, maybe those have become very popular. Maybe it's longer than five years uh, where that's a thing that you maybe have to look at and start telling people that come to you. Hey, this this is what energy drinks are doing to you. Yeah, that would be one example for sure. And just, yeah, just kind of how the products change on the market, um, especially protein is something that a lot of products have advertised. You know, you got Gatorade with protein, you got protein waters, all these different things, protein on the front. So just kind of debunking some of those assumptions that everything with protein is, is good for you, even if it's a packaged cookie, um, are, are definitely things that keep me on my toes. And similar to energy drinks, too. you gotta got to look at the fine print, and the label will tell you the most, that's for sure. Yeah, but when, uh, and then, okay, so, but when I look at a label, 
I, I, I look at the ingredients or whatever, and okay, first of all, on this energy drink, it's always got like fancy stuff. It's got vitamins and taurine in it, T-A-U-R-I-N-E. I don't know if I said that right. And L-carninitine plus B. I don't know what that means. Uh, B vitamins, maybe? Oh. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's the stuff at the top that they're trying. That's the stuff at the top. But when I look at the ingredients, all those words don't mean anything to me because I can't pronounce them. And they're all like, you know, chemical chemistry words. So um, what would people look at in ingredients? Is it like my friend says, if the ingredients are 5,000, if there's 5,000 of them, the thing is probably not healthy for you. Right. It's definitely more, uh, it's formulated based on what the consumer wants versus getting it just from that natural source. So, I mean, definitely some of those labels get really long because they're adding so much into it. Um, and then you want to know like, okay, how much am I actually getting? Do I need all of this vitamin that they're saying I need a lot of? Um, does it actually give me energy or is that still just from the caffeine? Um, same with like supplements, energy drinks aren't really regulated, but they have to prove that they have a certain amount in them. Uh, so some of them you may not be getting all that you're you're thinking you're getting. Laura Burkell is a registered dietitian at Gunderson Health System. Uh, she works out of the Onalaska office, and she's going to hang out this hour. And, you know, I, I wrote down uh, Laura's takes. This is the things that she wants to get in, and I have my own takes. Uh, supplements advertised for weight loss and uh, how they can be dangerous, and as well as uh, New Year's resolutions, making those successful. I think uh, my mom even made the joke, the New Year's resolutions were, were day two into this. Uh, by tomorrow, we'll probably half of those people will have given up, and by next week, uh, the other half will have given up. Uh, but how do you make those successful? But some of the other things I have, uh, and I don't know, Laura, I threw this at you without any prep. So maybe does, does marijuana, is legalized marijuana in Minnesota, Minnesota's recreational marijuana has become legal. And it, now even in Wisconsin, we're talking about medical marijuana. Does it make you hungry? I kind of want to know uh, if there's a science to that, if you even know. Um, and then uh, just like some, some 2024 trends, uh, we can rehash the Ozempic. Uh, thing we, I think we talked about that last summer, so maybe we can rehash. Maybe anything yep. new coming from the that weight loss drug. And I just use Ozempic, but it's it's called something more general, right? Like there's more of a Ozempic is a portion of or a, 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 a name brand for this drug, right? Yeah, it's technically semaglutide is the is the scientific name for it. Ozempic is is the brand where if you have diabetes, you use that. But if you don't have diabetes, it's Wagovi. Um, so okay. there's it's all semaglutide. Yeah, and I even saw a headline where there there's like a fake one out there, and people are like, where uh, registered people that are registered to uh, distribute this have been given out a fake one without even knowing it. It was uh, just a recent headline on the Associated Press. Yeah, um, it all right. gets a little ugly. Yeah. All right, we're gonna take a, a break. We'll be back in a minute. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom. On the phone with me this hour is Laura Burkell. She is a Gunderson dietitian. She works out of the Onalaska office. Uh, she's been doing this. This would be year eight. If we flip years, Laura, this would be year eight for you, right? Year eight? Uh, yeah, I think so. Year eight as a dietitian, year three as a Gunderson dietitian. So. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. If you have questions for Laura, uh, Joe, Joe did call. Joe is uh, waiting on hold. He, he does have a question for you about Ozempic, um, which we talked about quite a bit last time you were on uh, in the summer. Uh, but, Joe, go ahead. What's your question about Ozempic? 
My question is, I'm a little alarmed. The FDA, you know, obviously regulates drugs, and they're supposed to be used for what they're prescribed for only. But there seems to be a relaxation with drugs like Ozempic. And I I want to recall um, uh, flu medicine, cold and flu medicine, uh, ephedrine. That was abused for a long time for weight loss as well, even though it's to open up bronchial tubes and, and things like that. It was it was abused for weight loss, and it was quickly regulated and taken off the market and things like that. How come Ozempic seems to be pushed by the media and it's okay? And and, and one of the points that I'll, I'll have is that uh, all right, Joe, Joe, they even say, hey, they reduced the their grocery bill by twenty four percent by using Ozempic. Okay, don't you think this is a little scary? Well, Joe, I mean, Laura's not the media; she's a dietitian, and she'll tell you she could talk to you about Ozempic. But the idea that it's being pushed by one person or one entity or another. Um, but Laura, yeah, we've talked about Ozempic quite a bit since the summer. Has it has uh, has anything changed with it? Do you think? And I say Ozempic, but you called it something else. Ozempic is actually the diabetes drug. Yeah, yeah. So it's approved for use in people with diabetes under the name Ozempic. Um, and then uh, Wagovi is another uh, brand of the semaglutide medication. So um, really, it started in the whole in the diabetes management world, and that's where. We kind of learned the role of, of hormones in effectiveness and regulating fullness and hunger. Um, so that's really what it targets the most, which is why we do hear so much from people losing weight on it is because it's, it's targeting your gut hormones, but it's also communicating up to your brain hormones as well and all those different receptors. Um, so that's what's helping people get full really quickly. Um, but something that, you know, they'll have to stay on long-term in order to continue to see and keep those results going. Uh, so, yeah, portions are a huge thing. Like you said, grocery bills are definitely going down for some people. Um, the key is to definitely keep eating when you're taking the drug. You can definitely lose weight very quickly um, because of the changes to your body. Um, but it's something that, you know, um, they've been studied as early as 2010. Uh, so it's at least a 13-year research that's really gotten us to this point, which is definitely promising. Does does the, the drug Wagovi or, or, or Ozempic or these, because it because it changes your brain chemistry a little bit, does this drug... Is it does it get out of your field because you could you could recommend it or not recommend it for certain people, but the the idea of describing how it works and and all of that because it changes brain chemistry, you'd be like, all right, you're gonna have to talk to another scientist about that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it definitely yeah it, it targets those different receptors for hunger in the brain or fullness in the brain um, and vice versa. So. It, it definitely, you know, it, it actually doesn't work the same for everyone. I mean, we're not all built the same. So some people may not lose as much as their neighbor next door, and that just shows us how individualized healthcare truly has to be. Uh, and we can't always have those high expectations based on what we see on the news or what we hear from our neighbor. It, um, but And this wouldn't be the first drug that comes about that is made for one thing and, and turns into something that works for another, right? Like that's... <laughs> that that happens, I think, pretty fr- not maybe not frequently, but like it, it's not yeah. uncommon. Like stimulants and stuff, um, you know, like phenamine is another example of a stimulant that, when used with in combination with another drug, can be approved long term for assistance with weight management. But they eliminated its use as a sole agent because they don't want you just taking the stimulants all the time. Um, but that's how they first found it. You know, is like 
So we know caffeine can reduce appetite too because it stimulates that part of the nervous system and the signaling. So, yeah, we are discovering things all the time, and that's the beauty of this field. Who, who Are you recommending uh, Wolgovi or Ozempic to anyone or not recommending it? Like, how does it work when people – because I imagine you get this question all the time when people come in, uh, you know, and want to lose weight or want the secret miracle drug, right? Right, yeah. It's, and since, like you said, it's gotten so much hype in the media – um, so I can't prescribe medication, so I would never be able to, like, start someone on a medication. but have to come from a, a physician. But, um, you know, there's a lot of different factors to consider, as you would with any medication. We definitely, you know, there's this whole list of things that our obesity medicine providers at Gunderson definitely run through and assess. Because uh, you don't want to, you know, put someone into a state of no appetite when they already don't have an appetite that might put them at a higher risk for malnutrition. Um, and there's a whole other list of things, too. So it's very individualized. I wouldn't say anyone over 40, go for it. Uh, anyone that wants it definitely has to get assessed and, and really explore their relationship with food and, and other health conditions. Yeah, I've read a little bit on on this drug and then listened to a bunch of podcasts on it. And uh, it just reminded me, and this is uh, for for the nerds out there that remember the HBO show Firefly and then the movie that came out to kind of end it, Serenity. Uh, Spoiler alert from this 2005 movie. uh, They they start this new planet and they put out a gas into the atmosphere that kind of takes away everybody's like ambition. And this is kind of what this Ozempic seems to me because it changes your brain chemistry. And then hearing some of the, the people that are on it, they just, they, they give up sweets. They give up like all the bad things. And it would just seem kind of like the, ba- the things that are bad for you. And it just seemed kind of like how, very focused. Like how does that drug just decide uh, to tell your brain like, oh, I'm not going to eat sweets anymore. I'm going to, and then I'm going to walk and exercise more. It seemed kind of crazy. Yeah, it really is. And, and a lot of people will voice it as it's a big reduction in food noise. So the food, the food talk that's constantly going through their brain of you want this, you want this, go for that, or you're craving this, you're craving that. Um, you know, it's it's definitely more prominent in some people versus others, which does predispose them to having more intake of sweets. Um, so it kind of it's kind of you know referred to as like a dimmer switch. So we may be turn, not turning the light off completely, but we're dimming down a lot of that communication of the brain of you want this, you want this. And then that communication gets dimmed down as these hormones, um, work more effectively. Yeah. This thing too is, is kind of changing the industry in, in terms of how advertisers and how even like restaurants are, if this, thing, if these drugs got more prevalent, uh, they're going to have to change how they advertise to people because people aren't going to crave these, uh, these sugary sweet foods and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of interesting how it's attacked all the different industries, but I think the most important thing, you know, we all have to nourish our bodies, and food is the best way to do that. Even people on these medications can still enjoy, uh, you know, some cheesecake or cake on their birthday. It's just they're really going to have to take it slow because their whole digestive system is slowed down and fullness is increased. So a lot of listening to those internal cues. Laura Burkell is a registered dietitian at Gunderson. All right, Joe texted in. He goes, is Ozempic a ghrelin, ghrelin inhibitor? G-H-R-E-L-I-N, ghrelin? Do you know what that is? Uh, 
Yeah, so that's a hormone in the stomach. That's a good question. It actually is a GLP-1 inhibitor or antagonist. So it's targeting the hormone GLP-1 in the intestine uh, that also has receptors in the brain. Uh, So not quite ghrelin, but ghrelin is a hunger hormone, um, so it can be affected from other strategies. But yeah, great question. Great question. And only two people listening to this are understanding it, I think. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Very, very, that's like, okay. we'll very, get there. <laughs> very deep dive there. That's, and that's great. Um, all right. So Laura, like I said, Laura Burkell is a registered dietitian. Um, you mentioned this and I just want to, before I forget about it. Okay. Cause I brought up in the last five years, there's these like new things that you have to kind of deal with and tell people whether or not they're good for you. Uh, energy drinks being one, but you brought up protein and this is something that I have been noticing too. Protein is kind of, when you, when we see protein in Gatorade, it, it seems kind of weird because I affiliate protein with meat, which I don't know if you should or not, but that's kind of how I do it. Then I think, what kind of meat are they throwing in the Gatorade? But what what uh, what is your take on the idea that we're throwing the word protein on you know stuff like Gatorade and just like everyday things that we're drinking or eating that you wouldn't you, you wouldn't necessarily uh, you relate to protein having having protein in it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, it it's just been a big thing, especially with the fitness industry and the weight loss industry and whatnot. Um, I think, you know, if anything, it can skew the view of the consumer on how to determine if this is something they want to include. We know protein is important, but like anything, too much of something can still lead to extra energy intake, which then won't support weight reduction if that's what you're going for or, you know, kind of balancing out what you're taking in. So unless you're really unable to get adequate protein from your food sources, there's really no need to uh, supplement it extra. Plus, I like to remind people, if your liquid has protein in it, it's not going to be hydrating the same as if it didn't. So protein has to be processed with the kidneys. And if you're, um, you know, if your body's got to go through more processing, it's not going to be as well of a hydrator. Uh, so protein water doesn't necessarily replace water, and especially in terms of hydration. Um, but yeah, you see protein on everything. Okay. So if I'm at a sporting, if I'm, if I'm doing something that I'm sweating and I need to get hydrated or I'm sick, right? Like I'm kind of, I have a cold right now. Um, probably don't drink the protein water then, so to speak. It just sounds funny to say next to each other, protein water. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes, especially if you've got an upset stomach, protein is going to take a little bit more work on your stomach to digest. So it may not feel as great as just having plain water or even a little bit of electrolyte water to get yourself up and going. Um, And that's where, you know, people ask, well, can I drink it if I'm having like surgery the next day? And I'm like, that's something you definitely have to address with with your surgeon because protein is digested differently than other nutrients. So you definitely want to clarify that. So anything, would you just say like steer clear of protein in drinks? just to be safe or not really? Not necessarily. I think it's just more be aware that just because something has protein in it doesn't mean it's going to solve all your problems or make you really, really full. Um, It's just another thing that can be added to foods. But if we can get it from more natural sources of protein first, that's going to be where our body utilizes it the best. So your meats, your dairy, your your eggs, all those good things, uh, nuts, seeds. Um, all are going to give us great sources. And if you're able to tolerate it all, you can definitely meet your goals. What's the best, what's the best protein that isn't meat besides 
Well, you said nuts. I feel like nuts are pretty fattening, though. Like, uh, like I'm just thinking, uh, is broccoli a good protein? Like, what are good protein sources? <laughs> yeah, plants get a little bit tricky to match the protein volume that, like, our meats have. So um, I would say the closest, like, plant source to, like, for example, cow's milk, the closest thing to cow's milk that's plant-based would be soy milk. So soy, soy is the closest we can get towards that equal protein content of meat. Otherwise, things like beans, um, even nuts, you'd, you'd have to eat a little bit more volume-wise in order to get uh, the equivalent of, of what, like, a steak would be. Yeah, because uh, a lot of the, some of the social media posts that I follow, they say, you know, drink a bunch of water when you get up. I don't, I, I say a bunch, but I don't know exactly, like a glass or two glasses of water uh, to be healthy and then, and then get, a, get a lot of protein because it'll kind of suppress your, your hunger for the rest of the day, the day. Would you recommend something like that? Just getting protein to start your day and it would suppress your hunger for throughout? I mean, it definitely is a good base, but it works the best when you compare it with something with fiber. So protein only increases our energy so much. It's not the body's preferred energy source. For that, we want to look more towards um, complex carbohydrates or our fiber sources. So protein works to help keep you full, but that fiber really helps to get your energy where you want it to be and to sustain that energy level uh, from what you're doing with protein. So that's that's the magic combo. Protein plus fiber is going to help carry you through a lot better than just protein alone. So what if I start the day with like a, like a, like a smoothie that's healthy, just berries and, and some milk, protein powder and fiber powder, throw them both in there at the same time. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. You have your protein from your milk and your fiber from your fruit or, or yogurt or whatnot. So that would be a good dual combination. Um, so yeah, that would work. Are we, are we cool with like powders, like protein powders, fiber powders, those things being, being good enough? Or, I mean, obviously like naturally getting that stuff is better, but are, are the, are the powders kind of bogus or not really? So it's tough because they're not, they're again, not really regulated by any sort of governing body, but they can be used in addition to those food sources. Again, kind of more in that moderation where, you know, you don't want to, you got to look at like how much quantity you're putting in for a concentrated source. So if you're putting two scoops of fiber powder and getting like 20 grams of fiber in one drink, that's almost your whole day's worth. That's going to be a lot on your, on your gut at one time. Um, So just make sure you pace it out. You know, don't feel like you have to get 60 grams of protein all at one time or 20 grams of fiber all at one time. It's only going to, you're not going to be able to absorb all of that at, 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 you know, one meal. And you might be running um, to the pacing, bathroom. Pacing it out is huge. <laughs> All right. We're going to continue this conversation after the break with Laura Burkell, a di- registered dietitian at Gunderson. Uh, we're going to talk about supplements uh, and how they could be dangerous, as well as uh, New Year's re- resolutions of making them successful when we come back. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom. On the phone with me this hour, Laura Burkell. She is a registered dietitian at Gunderson Health System. She works out of the Alaska office. Uh, Laura, do you get a lot busier uh, January 2nd and beyond? <laughs> uh, you know, we do kind of start to pick up a little bit more. People have know their insurance plans and coverage or they're wanting to meet deductibles, all that good stuff. So I would say like January, February, March, we definitely pick up. Mm-hmm. Is it just because of insurance or is it because of what we're going to talk about here next, New Year's resolutions? I mean, that's a huge contributor as well. People have 
have high standards for themselves and who can use a little extra support, especially when it comes to health. All right. So the, the joke is always like, I, I have the New Year's resolution. I'm, you know, whether it's going to be, I'm going to eat healthier, I'm going to work out, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to walk, you know, five miles a day or something like that. Um, but you, you have some tricks for us to, to help. Okay. First of all, are those good resolutions? Let's go there. And then you have some tricks for us to kind of like maintain these resolutions. Yeah. So the biggest thing is just trying to meet yourself in the middle and not, uh, not force a change that's really unrealistic. So kind of being, you know, strategic with how you're even setting yourself up for a goal. Um, you know, if you're currently not exercising any days of the week, saying you want to exercise five days of the week is pretty unrealistic and you're going to burn yourself out trying to get to that perfectionism of the goal. Um, So definitely just starting really slow and steady, even though it might seem like, oh, I'm never going to get anywhere if if I only start with one day a week. But if you're able to maintain that one day a week, you can prove to yourself that, hey, this habit can really be something that's developed into uh, a routine change. Um, so very slow and steady is the magic potion for goals. Yeah, that's that's one trick. Also, and you're a dietitian, so the, the, the question would be always, you, you know, you probably get this question all the time, is it to, to lose weight or to maintain, you know, kind of a healthy uh, body type? Would it be how much of a factor is working out versus your your just essentially your diet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I get that question a lot. Or if people are like, "I'm eating all the all the things you're telling me, but I'm still not losing weight," we'll assess that that activity portion because um, you know we we kind of have this phrase where it's like you can't out exercise a bad diet. So you can't tip the scale one direction and expect that it's just going to work for every aspect of modifiable health factors. Um, So we kind of say, you know, if you're with exercise, like biking for 30 minutes, you might burn 150 to 200 calories. Well, you can easily take that in via food. Um, So just kind of looking at, you know, not that we love looking at calories in, calories out, because it's not that simple. But in terms of things we can do for ourselves, that is one strategy to help keep keep all the good going in one direction. Yeah, it's counterproductive to go biking for 30 minutes while drinking a Mountain Dew. Yeah, yeah, a little counterproductive there. Um, and I would say, you know, even selfishly, that that's that's one of the things that's, that I think a lot of people are, I don't want to say addicted to, but do routinely is, is drink soda and, and uh, you know, just like, okay, so how, in, in, in terms of diet, if somebody wants to just kind of axe a portion of that out of their, you know, routine, I mean, is it the same kind of thing? Baby steps? If you go to the movie, What About Bob, right? Baby steps? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So definitely, like, it's, you know, I never recommend anyone try to cut out a food group completely or completely eliminate chocolate if you're a chocolate lover and that makes you happy. Um, but we kind of have this, you know, saying of, you know, it's, it's 80-20, you got to, you know, 80% of our intake should be to really nourish our bodies, get the nutrients that we need. But that other 20% should be something we enjoy. So we should be able to have a cupcake on our birthday or going out on a weekend. We should be able to have, you know, a nice meal. But that doesn't mean that's going to be the forever thing. You know, it's just that 20%. It's not the majority. Um, and as long as you it, establishing that balance is, is trickier than you think, but um, you know, once you kind of allow yourself to have that positive relationship with food, it makes any change a little bit more longer lasting. All right. I'm going to try to merge two thoughts here 
uh, things that I'm reading. So one of these 2024, uh, one of these headlines is forget dieting in 2024, do this instead. And it's the Mediterranean diet. So um, first of all, can, can you just explain what the Mediterranean diet is? Yeah, yeah. So this is one top, you know, top rated diet for multiple years in a row. But basically, it's a focus on lean meats, more more um, protein from your your nuts, your fish, your seafood. Uh, a little like a less red meat than us in the Midwest are used to, uh, and really focus on reducing salt, cooking more at home, getting those heart healthy fats in there. Uh, basically, how an Italian would eat, except you know, moderating the pasta part um, and the Italian sausage and, and all of those different things. Uh, so it's a big focus on fruits, vegetables, lean meat, getting some whole grains in there, um, but focusing on the, the heart-healthy benefits of different oils, different fats, um, and, you know, helping to reduce blood pressure by watching the salt. A lot of that, a too, more at home. a lot of that, too, seems like it's fresh like fresh produce, fresh vegetables, whatever. I guess produce is vegetables, but right? Like a lot of it's just you, get, you almost got to go to the grocery store every other day to, to maintain this diet, right? Well, and that's the hard part, you know, in our society. Europe has it figured out where, you know, you can go to the market every day and get really fresh food. But here we may not, I mean, we've got food deserts where Quick Trip's the only thing in a 50-mile radius. So, um, you know, frozen can definitely work out fine. Canned can work out well, too. You know, just rinsing your canned vegetables to get some of that extra salt, that preservative off. But... Um, you know, frozen foods are actually picked at peak freshness. So um, all those good nutrients are locked in once they're frozen. So those can be good options, too. All right. Well, that's good to know. Um, so this, this CBS article, um, when it says uh, forgetting, forget dieting in 2024, and it's about the Mediterranean diet, it also says part of this, part of the Mediterranean diet is to eat socially. And when it comes to 2024 and your New Year's resolution and trying to maintain a resolution – like working out, I think is a good one. If you had a partner and you and your partner held you accountable to go work out, we're going to work out, you know, three days a week. I'll meet you at three p.m. at the Y, and we're going to do it every time. Or you get a personal trainer that you pay, and you're you're accountable that way. But does 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 diet work well? Eating socially does that work well? I feel like if I'm eating socially, then I'm I don't I don't know if I'm eating less in that regard. Ever, yeah, I think where they're this? going, like you said, from more of an accountability standpoint of, you know, if you're around others, you're you're not like chowing down on the food, eating really fast because you're socializing. So you're kind of drying that meal out a little bit longer, and and that does give more opportunity to pay attention to those fullness cues. We know that you know our brain's not getting the full signal that we're full from our stomach until about 15 minutes into eating, which most of us are going back to seconds by that point. So it definitely can help slow things down. Um, so I think that's a positive. But but also if you've got people that are on the same page as you, um, and you know you're you're eating consistently with what they're doing, they can just kind of keep you accountable. As oh, they're putting their fork down. Maybe I should put my fork down. Or they're not grabbing seconds. Maybe I shouldn't grab seconds. It's kind of that peer pressure component. Yeah, it, but it also could work the other way. If nobody, if everyone's going for seconds, I just don't think the eating socially thing is is going to promote your ability to eat less except except that what you said if you eat slower you you tend to uh to get those cues that you're full and then you won't because if you mow down your food i don't know if everyone knows this if you mow down your food your your stomach doesn't have time to tell your brain that you're full right something like that yeah yeah that signal doesn't doesn't get there that quickly so it can be a lot a lot trickier Mm -hmm. 
But I agree. It's it's probably not a full foolproof thing, but components of it could be beneficial to people socially. Yeah, the Mediterranean diet is frustrating too because nobody has time. We don't have time to go to the market every day to get these fresh produce. We don't have time to cook all this stuff. Um, I guess you could you could do the whole meal prep thing, but we don't have time to do that because we don't have enough Tupperware in our fridge uh, to stuff in our fridge. Yeah. I, I, is there is there a, a another way to do this or a, a, another diet that's uh, or just eating trend that's out there that's you know like a little bit more sustainable than the Mediterranean diet where every part of your every aspect of your day is is hovering around food apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's the tough thing is, you know, time is always going to be that limiting factor for a lot of a lot of change. Like, oh, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. So that's where it's really, you know, talking with someone to help to establish, OK, where are you at? Where do you want to be? How do we kind of mesh, you know, your current lifestyle with the changes you want to see so that it's not like, oh, I have to do fresh for everything and now I'm not going to do it. Um, it's But it's kind of like, OK, well, if we can do a little convenience with balance, you know, it's okay to have pizza, but can we pair it with a salad versus having three slices of pizza, having one slice with a salad on the side, um, just kind of finding that balance of what you like, but what's also going to nourish your body effectively and fit into your time schedule is huge. Laura Burkell is a registered dietitian at Gunnarsson. She works out of the Onalaska office. She's talking about how to make your New Year's resolution successful. She recommends watching the movie What About Bob and learning about baby steps, just taking it slow. Uh, not really, but like not really watching the movie. But if you want to watch a good comedy, What About Bob's a good one. Um, but just about like if you're if you're if you want to work out more, don't go from zero to five days a week, maybe one day a week. Um, and I, I threw in there just like have an accountability partner with you, like have, have someone that, that works for me. And even if I don't have one, I, I think like I should get one of those. Um, what, what other, are there any other ways to kind of make your resolutions stick? So yeah, making them realistic, having an accountability partner is huge and, you know, just kind of surrounding yourself with a good support system. So it kind of goes along with the accountability, but you know, if you've got, a supportive environment for the change that you want to see, it's going to be a lot easier to stick with that change versus if you're purposely sitting yourself right next to the break room every day when you could be sitting yourself away from a kitchen, away from a food setting, so you're not thinking about it all day long, that's going to support your your habit or your change a lot better than being around that temptation long term. So environment is also a pretty big thing when it comes to making changes. If somebody wanted to get into a workout routine, um, what what would the, what would the best advice there be? Because I know you're a dietitian, but I, m- I imagine you you. I mean, is it just straight up like, hey, just start walking, like just do that. Like if you're gonna do, if you have nothing, no other ability to do anything, just go for a walk. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a great place to start, especially when you start talking about like different gym memberships and everything, those can be really helpful, but also really intimidating environments, especially when you're faced with like 10,000 machines that you have no idea how to work. Um, The key is, yeah, to definitely go at it slow. The last thing you want is to get injured right when your motivation level is at an all-time high. Um, So, you know, you've got to realize that our muscles and our bodies are creatures of habit. So things aren't going to feel good the first day, but you definitely don't want an injury to contribute to that not feeling good. Uh, Walking is a great start. Even just some basic dumbbell exercises. It doesn't have to be the 25-pound dumbbells. Even 5-pound repetition is more important sometimes than just the weight itself. Uh, New Year's resolutions kind of suck in the Midwest, too, because it's, you know, 20 degrees outside. Uh, And the weather hasn't been bad 
lately, I would say it's getting it's getting colder. But you know, the idea of doing any of this stuff outside is it, it kind of ham- hampers. We should have New Year's in the summer when we can really actually get out and do these things. Yeah, that would de- that would definitely be more helpful. Like I said, environment is a huge part of making changes. So these gloomy days, and I think next week, you know, it's going to be colder, and we're going to be hitting more of a winter. Um, it's always going to be a factor when it comes to movement. So I always tell people, if you can establish something that works indoors and something that works outdoors, you're set for any sort of weather condition. Um, it's just having a plan either way. All right. Last thing that you wanted to talk about, we haven't gotten to yet is, and you'll have to explain this a little bit, supplements, uh, advertised for weight loss. I I don't know what those would be. I I don't tend to kind of steer clear of supplements for the most part, except that it's protein powder that I just bought. Um, but like, what, can you explain what those are and what people are looking for and then like how they can be dangerous? Yeah. So there's some different ones out there that'll say like fat burning, or there's even specific supplements such as berberine, which, you know, has been talked about as nature's ozempic or something that can naturally reduce blood sugar. The, the tricky part is, is a lot of these, a lot of studies that might be, you know, looking at these ingredients or these different effects are in the very preliminary stages. So with supplements, not everything is a tested claim. It's a claim by the company. Um, and a lot of times any sort of trial they may be trying with, you know, different groups of people have a lot of different risk factors for, um, you know, kind of colluding the results, maybe not uh, sticking to the a right procedure or whatnot, or maybe it's just an observational study. So it comes down to the quality of research and what resources that were used. I kind of say if you're supplementing something extra in your body, you need to tell your healthcare provider because there's a lot of things that can interact with supplements, especially when they're taken in higher amounts. So is, is it hard to even like go, this is a good supplement or that's a good supplement just because everybody is different? Yeah, yeah, everyone's different. And, and really, you know, people ask, well, should I take more B12? Should I take more vitamin D? And it's like, you know, would some of that hurt? Not necessarily, but you really should establish a level that your body is at currently because the last thing you want is to get too much of something. And as we know, too much of a good thing isn't so much of a good thing. Um, going back to New Year's resolutions, I just, I seen another, I, I saw another thing that maybe would help or hurt. I, I think for Christmas, a lot of people might have gotten a smartwatch, something that, that counts your steps or, or that you can input, even inputting into your phone an app that counts your calories. Um, are, are any of those good? Uh, do you, do you recommend any of those? Have you seen those be successful? Either uh, counting things, essentially. <laughs> yeah. And where I've seen them be successful is like, the watches as a little reminder, it'll buzz for you to stand up every hour or, you know, you can track like, oh, your movement went down this week. You must have had a busy week at work. So it kind of gives you a perspective that you didn't know you had uh, from like a movement standpoint or even drinking water. Uh, water is something that's an essential nutrient that we forget about. And so people will set like alarms every hour to be like, hey, did you drink water this hour? Or maybe when that buzz goes off for them to stand up. So they're they're kind of that, you know, AI accountability <laughs> partner that yeah. if you don't have a live person, your watch or your, your fitness tracker can be a good resource. Um, is it good to count calories and to, to like input everything that you ate into a, one of those apps where like I have a couple of friends that, that live by this and then others, you know, it's, it's kind of annoying and, and depressing. Yeah, it can, you know, it can put you in a a bad mindset if it's 
it's really negative or I think we can get competitive with ourselves of, oh, it says I can have 1,500 calories, but I'm going to be at 1,200 and then I'm going to lose all this weight because it's telling me I'm going to lose all this weight. That's where we can get obsessive and really negative relationship with food. So I kind of tell people, even as a starting point, just journaling for awareness, not so much the numbers, but just see, like, how frequently am I going to the pantry? Um, If I am eating, am I having dessert with every meal? Just some of those things, do it for a week or a couple days. You'll be able to see a good trend to help you kind of tailor where you want to move forward. That's Laura Burkell. She's a registered dietitian at Gunderson in Onalaska. Laura, if if people, like, people wanted to... Like what if if they wanted to go to Gunnerson and and use you as a you know use you as as with your expertise what what would they what position would they be in where they you know like I can come to you and get help like I don't know are they going to be obese are they going to be I don't know like handicapped no, are they going to be mean, elderly like who's coming don't. to see you <laughs> No you don't have a, have to have a specific diagnosis to be seen by by a dietitian um you know we offer affordable cash pay options too, where it's only like $30 for 30 minutes, if that. So if you're worried insurance won't cover, we've got you covered. Um, But no, no diagnosis required. Just come with good questions, come with good desire to change, and we can definitely work as a team together. All right, Laura, thank you so much for spending the hour with us again. Yeah, thank you. Great question. All right. Uh, All right. We're going to take one more break. We'll be back after this. All right, just going to wrap up. Thanks again to Laura Burkell for hanging out this hour. I made her stay at home. She was going to come in the studio, but I have a bit of a cold, so we're just going to get my case sick tomorrow. No, I'm going to I'm going to like wipe everything down when I leave here. Um, but anyway, thank you again, Laura, for, for coming on, and thanks for your questions and texts. I did get a text from Maria, and I, I don't know if I'm going to understand all of this because, uh, geez, I don't know. She goes, I feel better about you knowing that you are a bit of a brown coat. She's talking about the movie Serenity and the uh, TV show uh, Firefly. Another sci-fi reference that comes to mind is Chow and Meals from Good Omens by Pratchett and Gallman. Okay, so I'm going to have to look that part up, Mariah, because I uh, that one I don't know. And I, I like to pretend that I'm pretty pretty nerdy when it comes to sci-fi stuff. So thanks for the text. Uh, we'll do it again tomorrow.